Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. I'm your host, DP Sulu. It's week 10. The Texans are coming off a big win against Jacksonville. They hope to string another one together up in Cleveland as they take on the 5-3 and three Browns uh, this weekend. So in this podcast, we've got a preview of that Browns-Texans matchup with Nathan Zagura. He does Browns radio 52 weeks a year. And then we talk with Justin Reed. You know him. He's in his third year. He's a safety He's moved around a little bit in that defense. Uh, the defense, the safety position has uh, been quite, um, what's the word? It's, it's moved around a lot. You've had Lonnie Johnson back there. You've had Eric Murray back there. But Justin Reed's been a staple. His role has changed, actually, too, in the last few weeks, if you've noticed. We talked to him a little bit about that. We talked to him about year three and uh, facing Baker Mayfield again. The two were rookies the same time in 2018. So they've both grown. They've both developed as players, and uh, we get Justin's take on all that. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Xfinity. Xfinity XFi gives you the speed, coverage, control, and security you need for the ultimate in-home Wi-Fi experience. Score with internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans and proud partner of the Deep Slant Podcast. So let's get right into it. Let's talk with safety, Justin Reed. We talked to Eric Murray the other day, and we asked him about all these Zoom calls and these Zoom meetings that you guys are having. Uh, who's the most disruptive on Zoom? Who's always got the dog barking or the kids crying? Or the most the disruptive noise? on the Zoom calls? Yeah. Man, that's a good question. It's it probably going to be AJ Moore or Key, Keon Crossan. One of the two, man, the, the dynamic tandem, man, and especially in the <laughs> but they're going to be one of those guys for sure. Guys are characters. That's really funny because Eric thought it would be him. He's like, I've got a dog. I've got a baby. He's like, it's just, uh, he was saying it was, it was probably going to be him. But. Yeah, even Murray pretty solid about, you know, turning the mute on and off whenever he needed, you know, <laughs> whenever he's speaking and not speaking. All right, let's talk about you. How's year three going for you? Obviously, it's not the season anyone expected, but mm-hmm. for you personally, you've had some big plays this year. You blocked a field goal against the Titans. You had that big fourth down stop against Jacksonville. Tell me how it's been going for you so far. I feel like I made a couple of plays. I feel like I've grown a lot in the three years being here on the mental side of the game, just understanding professional football, how offenses generically work, especially getting to know our division rivals and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, we're all not exactly happy about where we are right now. You know, still have a lot to fight for this season and still a ways to go. Still got a bunch of games to play, including an exciting one this week against Cleveland. Um, so just still chopping away at it team that ways we can get better um me challenging myself ways that I can be better um one of the ways that I feel like aside from my own play that I've really grown this year is just the leadership and being in the room and trying to raise the level of play of the guys around me and be that voice and you know help teach them the way that I was taught um by the vets my rookie year and Kareem and Tyron and Jonathan Joseph um and be that guy for the new guys coming in I mean, I can't help but think about J.J. in your third years because J.J.'s first two years, the Texans made the playoffs. The third year was a really disappointing season in 2013. And, and you were here for the for 18 and, and 2019 where the Texans also won the division and made the playoffs. So this has got to come yeah, as a surprise kinda, for you. weird. Yeah, I didn't even know it happened. You're like just that. like J.J., Justin. <laughs> right. So, um, well, maybe I'll get to 100 sacks too. Then. You know what I mean? That's the trend that is going. How has it been with Romeo Cornell? I know you guys have had a lot of experience with him and, you know, he takes over the team. He's obviously done a lot for the defense in recent years, but what's the leadership been like under him so far? All the guys in the room love Rack, man. He just has something special about the way that he coaches, 
that um, brings the juice, brings the energy. I mean, everyone remembers the video that went around whenever he was dancing after the Jaguars win the first time. Um, he just really knows how to get the juice and energy out of the guys and get guys really excited to be on the field and play football and play physical and play hard. I think he's done a great job, you know, and he's a defensive guy too, which I enjoy being on the defensive side of the guy. So he's really started, you know, challenging the defense on being better, you know what I mean, making more plays and getting fourth down stops and raising our level of play overall. He said that you've re really settled into your role, that you're playing more in the box uh, these days in these last few games. And you, you've done really well. You've got some tackles and you seem really comfortable there. How how has that been for you adjusting to your role? Um, we've put in a new scheme this year um, with the coverage we've been running with all the cover threes and everything. And um, I have, I've, I've settled into it. I feel comfortable in the defense. I've really started to get a feel for it, especially in the last couple of weeks. But just continuing to build on that. You know I mean? There's always ways that, you know, we can keep, with the disguises, make things a little bit better, you know what I mean, the crisper drop and things like that. But um, I have settled into the role. I'm starting to have more fun, um, making a couple more plays in that role down low and uh, having a good time doing it. What is it that you like playing um, in the box so much? Is it that you're closer to the ball? Is it you get to land a few yeah. more hits? What What is it about that? Yeah, that you I feel like, like so it's much? just a lot more action. You know, I get to be a little bit more instinctive, being close to the ball, I get to fit in the run a lot more. Um, you know, you get to do a little bit of everything, get the blitz off the edge. I didn't get, get the blitz nearly as much my first two years as I get to do now with all the exotic patterns that Coach Weed is putting in. Um, so I had fun with it. So when training camp started, you had to get used to Eric Murray uh, playing alongside you, which, which you guys did really well. But then throughout the course of the season, there's been a lot more changes, either with injury or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, Eric Murray's playing a little bit more nickel. You've got Lonnie Johnson at safety. With everyone else transitioning around you, how has that made your job a little bit harder? Or what have you had to do to sort of adjust to that? Well, for me, it's just been about staying flexible, staying versatile. Um, one of my strong points is I really know the defense extremely well in every position in it. So whenever injuries happen or anything happens to where we got to switch a guy around, I really feel comfortable switching, playing in the deep part of the field, down low, maybe even a star um, if the team needs me to do that too. Um, so we got a couple of guys that are flexible and dynamic and, you know, have versatile abilities that they're able to move around position. So for me, it's just about putting everybody in the best place possible for the defense to be solid and make plays. So specifically for me, that's playing whatever role that Coach Weave asked me to play. Right now it's playing down in the box, and I have fun doing that. But whatever happens, you know, injuries happen, the whole COVID situation happens, guys have to move around sometimes, and I'm comfortable doing that too. I mean, I've seen you a lot out and about in the community. You talk about being a good communicator. I know things are different this year. Everything's virtual, but um, you have made some appearances. You've talked to some local high schools. You've been really passionate about getting out the vote and social justice initiatives. Uh, what part of that aspect do you like so much? What, what are some of your messages been to the youth around Houston? Yeah, well, whenever I was a kid, I had a bunch of role models and idols that I looked up to in the athletic world. And now I'm on the other side of that. And it's really cool. And and not take that responsibility seriously, you know, still get back and be that guy that wouldn't talk to a high school team because that's something that those young men are never going to forget. You know what I mean? And I'm able to just affect a couple of them and, you know, inspire them to be better or to put in better effort and, or maybe even inspire them to grow up one day and do the same thing, what I did for them, for them to do for the next generation after them. You know, that's what I really seek to do. So it's always been a big um, initiative of mine. I want to be out and be active in the community and make a difference. And that's what I intend to keep doing. I think it's really interesting because it's not just sports that you're talking about. You're also very accomplished, obviously, having gone to Stanford, 
Um, you're pursuing your engineering degree. So, you know, there's a lot of options for kids these days. They don't have to just be athletes uh, because not everyone's mm. going to be a professional football player, but mm. um, you can really drive home the stay in school, steady hard message. What about you and John Reed? You've got two engineers now or uh, aspiring engineers. Reed, because Reed's got his Jay another Reed's Jay good. Reed. He's got an engineering degree and everyone makes fun of me for always wanting to talk about engineering because it's something I'm passionate about. But do, have you two talked about that? Jay Reed is a, and I say young Jay Reed, he's actually older than me. But young oh, Jay is Reed is, uh, he's very passionate. He's a very smart guy. I mean, anytime you hold a conversation with him, you can tell how intellectual and cerebral that he is as a player. Um, and I think that's really paying dividends for him and coming into an NFL season where he didn't have the opportunity and reps for in training camp. You know, there was no OTAs. There really wasn't a real training camp, um, but he's done a, a good job coming in just because he is so smart and being able to still learn the playbook and adapt. And I think he's going to be continue to build and get better. And he's going to be a good player for us. All right. So Sunday you guys face Baker Mayfield and the Browns. You were here obviously when Baker was a rookie, it was, it was your rookie year as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you remember about him and, and how much has he changed? Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot's changed. I feel like their old line offensive lines a little bit better. He had a couple more weapons with them. Odell. I wish I did get to play against him this game because I love the challenge of, you know I mean? Playing against talented guys. Um, but Odell is down, but he still has a bunch of talent around him and uh, David Njoku and Austin Hooper and Jarvis Landry and the two dynamic running backs they have uh, in Chubb and Hunt. I feel like he's grown on the mental side of the game, still not afraid to make throws, but I still remember the last time we played, I know we were able to make a couple turnover opportunities as well too. Zach Cunningham having to pick six, I force a fumble on the goal line. So we just got to keep making those explosive plays on the defensive side of the ball, as well as on the offensive side of the ball like we did last week. All right, something you two have in common, you both make commercials. I mean, he's probably got a few more on you, but... <laughs> I actually like his commercials. They're pretty They're funny. funny. <laughs> the, ones, the ones in the stadium where he's talking about I lost my keys. He's home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're pretty Yours funny. are pretty good too, Justin. Don't sell yourself short. How do you think you do overall <laughs> in your in your commercial debut? Yeah, I mean, I have fun. Um, H-E-B always does a great job every year with the commercials that they put out, and I had a lot of fun shooting it with Deshaun, and I'm enjoying just making, just going out and being having fun with those guys. Well, we always have fun catching up with you, Justin. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Justin Reed on the Beach Plant 101. Thanks so much, Thank Justin. You. Cool, no problem. Good stuff, as always, from Justin Reed. I had a chance to catch up with him this offseason. I think that was before he had uh, shot those HEB commercials, but I really enjoy them. I hope we see more of them with him and Deshaun, and uh, what a nice guy. He's always a pleasure to catch up with. All right, I haven't caught up with this guy in a few years. It's Nathan Zagura of the Cleveland Browns uh, radio, TV. Uh, he does everything, basically. He does everything. And we had a chance to catch up with the Browns. They're looking good this year. They hope to get Nick Chubb back for Sunday's game, and that will really do a lot for their offense, for their run game. Of course, we had to chat about Baker Mayfield and his commercials and all that. So let's get into it. Let's talk with Nathan Zagura behind enemy sidelines on this week's deep slant podcast brought to you by xfinity here the browns are five and three heading into week 10 i imagine the mood in cleveland's got to be quite good these days yeah absolutely we're off to a good start first of all it's great to talk with you again and in recent history since the deshaun watson has come down to the texans the browns have not had much success against your team so hopefully that will change we need it this week but yeah five and three going into the bye week and certainly feeling Feeling good. You would have liked to get that game against the Raiders. Obviously, direct competition for that final wild card spot or the final two wild card spots in the AFC. But 
you know, five and three, getting healthy at the right time. Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller, Austin Hooper, all returning to practice uh, on Monday. So they should be back and good to go against the Texans. But yeah, it's just nice. Kevin Stefanski, I think he's just brought in a kind of what I would call He's a smooth operator. He's brought in a sense of calm, a brand of football, a style of offense, a style of, you know, Cleveland Browns football. We got went back to our traditional uniforms, which I think look very sharp. So it's been an excellent start to things here at five and three. Well, the last time the Texans and the Browns played each other, Baker Mayfield was just a mere rookie. And here he is in, in year three. He's undergone all those coaching changes, like you said. Where have you seen the most growth from him this year? Well, so far, it's just taking care of the football, you know, 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So better than a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, that was a big problem last year as he threw more than 20 interceptions. So that has been, I would say, the biggest part of his growth. And he's in an offense that's going to stress, you know, what he does well, play action, the play action bootlegs, getting him out of the pocket. He's been very effective on those types of plays. And, you know, while some people would say the Browns have been certainly a run first team, and that would be true in the one game where he had to do it through the air. He turned in his best performance against Cincinnati in a duel, a shootout with Joe Burrow. At one point, he completed 21 straight passes, which was a Browns franchise record. In fact, the streak was only snapped when they had to clock the ball on that final drive with no timeouts. Throws five touchdowns in that game. So yeah, you had to do it. You had to throw it. And he did that. So I thought that was a big game just for his development and the confidence that the team has in him. But really, it's been taking care of the football. And he's been phenomenal in the red zone. Really, we've been an excellent red zone offense this season, one of the most efficient teams in the red zone in terms of converting, you know, threes into sevens. And Baker has been a big part of that. Well, just a few weeks ago, it seems like he got banged up in that game against Pittsburgh. And we saw a familiar face in Case Keenum come in in relief. And then and then Baker bounced back the next week and had one of his best performances of the year. What do you attribute the fact that he's able to just bounce back um, just so so differently than he, than he did maybe as a rookie or, or even last year? Well, I think part of it is just his comfort in the system is growing. And that's the thing. Remember, the Browns had put in a new co head coach, new offensive coordinator, new offensive system in 2020's offseason. And as you know, for the Texans, you just didn't have a lot of time to go through and learn something new. And so for the Browns, I think they were behind a little bit, but now it's an offense that suits him very well, suits his skill set. It's an offense that lends itself to efficiency at the quarterback position. And so I think he trusts in the system. He knows that his head coach, Kevin Stefanski, the play caller as well, is going to put him in good positions to succeed. He likes the guys that we have on this team. Obviously, we still wish we had Odell Beckham Jr., just like I'm sure you guys still wish you had DeAndre Hopkins there in Houston, albeit for different reasons. They are not available to our respective teams um but i just think it's kind of you know he's settling in here he is with some stability i think as i said a clearly defined kind of brand of football that the browns are playing and a head coach who is never going to get too high or too low and i think that's good for a guy because baker's so emotional and fiery and to have a head coach that's you know as we said smooth operator steady eddie i think has been very very good for his development and just his demeanor and his success in this team it's not just baker bouncing back the Browns haven't lost consecutive games all year. They followed up each of their first two losses to Baltimore and to Pittsburgh with wins the following week. And they're going to try to do that again this Sunday against the Texans. Well, you mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously, that was the big storyline when he towards ACL. He's out for the year. Unfortunately, top target for, um, for Baker Mayfield and, and the Browns is out now. So who steps up in his place? He's not easily replaceable. You got Jarvis Landry. Is it, is it him? Is it a mix of more run game? How do you make up for the loss of, of OBJ? 
I think it's a, a little bit of all of the above. There isn't one guy on this roster. And I think you looked at the trade deadline. Were they going to bring in a vertical threat? And, and this offense, it needs that vertical aspect to it. So if you're looking at the guys that, that maybe can step in and fill that role, Jarvis is still going to be Jarvis. He's leading your team. He's got the 33 catches, 419 yards so far this season. You know, you're going to get more involved with your tight ends. Austin Hooper, who's back after missing two games after the emergency appendectomy. You've got Harrison Bryant, a rookie who's played well at tight end. You've got David Ajoku. But in that receiver room, you know, Hollywood Higgins, more of a possession guy. Donovan Peoples-Jones is more of a big body contested catch guy. In terms of taking the top off of defense, there are two guys, Kaderil Hodge, who's kind of a long strider, a former former special teams ace last year, four catches, averaged 19 yards a catch. This year, he you know hasn't been too involved. He missed some time with a hamstring, but he's still three catches, 51, 17 yards a catch. So he can get down the field. But then there's a guy that the Texans are probably familiar with from his time with the Titans, Taewon Taylor, who was a former third round pick of the Titans a few years ago, had nearly 500 yards two seasons ago. And he's a vertical type of a guy. I think the Browns will incorporate Taewon Taylor more and more as this season goes on and try to have him kind of stretch the field or at least run some of the routes because he will command the respect due to his speed that you had Odell run in certain situations. Well, I remember a few years ago when the Browns signed Kareem Hunt, there was so much controversy surrounding him, but he's quietly put together a really good campaign in 2020. Three rushing touchdowns, four receiving touchdowns. It seems like... The Browns have incorporated him in a lot of different ways. How has he really helped uh, elevate that offense? He's a stud and he runs so hard and so physically. And now that we get Nick Chubb back and we'll talk about that tandem in a second, he has been so good, especially in the red zone. And that's where you can create some mismatches with him. He's such a good pass catcher and that's where his touchdowns come in the red zone. So he has just been kind of, he's great in, in pass protection he runs it very well in between the tackles or getting outside. And as I said, he's a mismatch waiting to happen in the passing game. So you think about the efficiency that he's shown there. Uh, as I said, those four touchdowns, it's just another weapon for Baker down there. And then now we get Nick Chubb back and it's almost like he's a forgotten guy, but Nick Chubb, second leading rusher in the NFL two years or last season, I'm sorry. And then this year he only played four games. He was averaging 5.9 yards per carry, four rushing touchdowns in those four games, 339 yards rushing. And really, it was really three games in a quarter. He went out early against the Dallas Cowboys. So getting him back, Yes, what this team is, what's its identity? It's running the football. When Nick Chubb went out after week four, Browns were the number one rushing offense in the NFL. They have not been since he has been out. And getting that one-two punch is huge because if the Browns get a lead, what they were doing is they would wear you down with Nick Chubb. And then the fourth quarter, Kareem Hunt would come in fresh. And it was almost unfair. You know, there were a couple of games where he averaged eight yards a carry in the fourth quarter because he came in fresh and was just running all over defenses that were worn out. So the Browns are going to be able to get back to that. And that's something that has been missing. And really, Wyatt Teller was, you know, I think pro football focuses number one graded offensive lineman. He was the number three overall graded player in the league when he went down with his injury. So getting him back, getting Chubb back, and then Austin Hooper, who I think is really an unsung guy for what his contributions are in the run game, it's going to be massive. And the Browns are going to try to get back to their identity, which is running the ball. Because frankly, when you take on this Texans team and Deshaun's playing so well, Will Fuller six straight games with a touchdown. Cooks has a touchdown in three of the last four and is averaging almost, you know, 90 yards a game during that stretch. I think our best defense and that our defense has struggled is going to be ball control on offense, running it and wearing down this Texans team. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, let's switch gears and talk about defense for a minute. For the Browns, our next gen stat presented by AWS has Miles Garrett tied for a sack leader in the NFL. He's got nine along with Aaron Donald. So, what about that Browns front? It seems like between him and um, uh, Sheldon Richardson, that, that Browns front is, is pretty hard to stop. It's a very good front. They had been a very good run defense all year. And I know the Texans really are, are not doing much running the ball so far this season, but they've been an excellent run defense this year, other than the Raiders game, which was in very, very strange weather conditions. Um, but Miles is, is all world. I mean, Miles is making a case, I think, for MVP, not just defensive player of the year. Nine sacks that you mentioned, four sack fumbles. He's already had four turnovers on sack strip fumbles, and the Browns are 4-0 in those games. He has seven, according to Next Gen Stats. I love that you quoted them because he has four, seven turnovers as a direct result of his pressures already this season. And to put that in perspective, the leader in that category a year ago for the full season had six. So he's done seven in eight games. He's playing. He's unbelievable. He gets a lot of attention. We've been banged up, though. Olivier Vernon's been banged up. He finally got healthy, had two sacks last week. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Uh, veteran Adrian Claiborne had two sacks in the first two games, but he got hurt and hasn't really been healthy either. So they should be healthy coming off the bye. And yeah, when you have to double and triple miles, it sets up a lot of one-on-ones for Sheldon Richardson, Larry Joby, and Claiborne and Vernon. The Browns need those guys to win them because when teams have had time to throw, our corners have been very good. Denzel Ward and Terrence Mitchell and Kevin Johnson in the slot who started his career with the Texans. That trio has been good. Our strong safety, Ronnie Harrison, came over from the Jags, a young player. He's been good. Free safety linebackers have been a real problem, and the Browns have not been able to get off of the field on third down. They've allowed 61 conversions on third and fourth down combined. In fact, they've allowed 13 fourth down conversions on 14 tries this year. And so that's been a problem. And I can tell you in the bye week, that was the number one focus of the self-scouting that they did was how do we get better at getting off the field? And you mentioned it can start up front with those guys. But the Browns strategy in some ways has been Miles is going to do something awesome. Let's make you run as many plays as possible. They don't really let the ball go over their head. They haven't given up many big plays vertically, only two pass plays over 40 yards, which I know has been a staple of what the Texans have done with Fuller and Cooks. And they had big touchdowns just last week, the pair of them. They're going to try to, to make it really work to get the ball down the field and hope Miles makes a play or they take the ball away. The Browns had 14 takeaways in their first eight games, which at the time was the leader in the NFL in that category. Well, I was going to ask you about the bye week, what the top storylines are, but it sounds like the Browns are really focused on getting healthy. They get a lot of playmakers back this week. Uh, what are some of the other big storylines you're working on as, as these two teams face off on Sunday? Yeah, you know, you're right. It's getting your guys back on offense. It was kind of taking a look at Miles Garrett. He got banged up against the Raiders and, and certainly did not look like himself finishing, but he was good to go. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, it's the defense, right? This team, and what's funny is the Browns offense, five games, they've scored 30 or more points. Three games, they've scored less than 10. So they have been feast or famine offensively. No games in the teens, no games in the 20s, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So it's smoothing that out on offense. But I think really the focus is defensively, we have got to get off the field on those money downs. Well, looking forward to a fun matchup watching Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield sling it out. I really personally enjoy all the Baker Mayfield commercials. We sometimes joke that there's, is there, maybe there's just not enough. It just, I'm, Totally joking. There's plenty of Baker Mayfield commercials. There are plenty. We just want more wins, as many wins as there are commercials. And I think that's the way that it's trending. And it's great. There, and, and he has, by the way, 
he has fun with those. They let him kind of ad lib and it's been fun seeing Jedrick Wills get involved in those. And so, yeah, I think this year's version have been, they really have been good commercials. And I think they're always even better when you're watching, knowing that the Browns have won. So you've had your good run. Browns need to get this one on Sunday. Thanks for the time, Nathan. You got it. All right. Be sure to catch more of our pregame coverage for Sunday's game. Uh, Texans at Cleveland. That's actually on Fox. It's also on Sports Radio 610 with Mark Vandermeer, Andre Ware, and Johnny Harris. And we'll have Johnny Harris and Mark Vandermeer on our pregame show, Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. It's pretty much streaming everywhere, but you don't want to miss it. So download the Houston Texans mobile app and, uh, you know, turn on all your notifications and make sure that you get. get locked in with game day central because that's where you're going to get all the latest coverage on on all of your houston texans from the stories from press conferences highlights um anything you're not going to miss it there so be sure to check that out and of course texans tv is every saturday night we've got texans 360 which i host actually during this season that's at 11 and uh, that follows texans extra points with drew doherty where they also preview the game so we've got you covered on the Texans front. And that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.